Welcome to Beyond the Minimum, where we'll be exploring the world of work. We'll be chatting about concepts, ideas, and phrases, explore practices, and delve into what good looks like. Work can be purposeful, value-led, and more meaningful to all who interact with the workplace. This podcast is brought to you by Tanya Hewitt, who lives in unceded Algonquin Anishabe territory, otherwise known as Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Hi, everyone. Have you ever been suggested very subtly to clean something? You know, somebody saying that, wow, look at how dirty the floor is, or something like, man, it's been a long time since we cleaned the door of the fridge. And you take that as an instruction because it was a hint that perhaps this should be taken care of. If you do take care of it, that is, you clean the floor or clean the door of the fridge or clean out the fridge or whatever the subtle hint was, you might want to question why you are doing it. Because often when we feel as though we've been nudged into doing something, we're doing that action in the expectation of recognition or some kind of praise from the person who gave the comment in the first place. And in reality, if we, if that is the reason we're doing it and we then are on the edge of our seats waiting for our actions to be recognized by the person who had said something, we might then start to set up resentment because we actually clean the thing. Why aren't you noticing? I, I put forth a lot of effort and why aren't you recognizing me for that? Another way to view this is that perhaps the floor truly is dirty and the fridge door truly is dirty and they do deserve being cleaned. Maybe the way to approach it is that you have a clean floor or that you have a clean fridge door or whatever the task was. Maybe to try to reframe this as pretending that you were living on your own. Because if you're living on your own, the only person who's going to give praise is yourself. So why don't you fill that gap and take a look at the clean floor or the clean fridge door or whatever it is and say, yeah, you did a good job there. If we can start to, instead of expecting praise from other people, be able to give ourselves the pat on the back that we think we need in order to believe that we've done a job well, we might then not get into situations of conflict and resentment and built up frustration that can be avoided because we just are proud of the jobs we do ourselves. Today's episode is expanding our vocabulary. Hello, everybody. 
Today's episode of New Vocabulary is Work as Imagined versus Work as Done. I believe it was Eric Hallnagel who first termed this concept, and since that time, it has been taken up by a whole bunch of people. This will be a very heavily referenced episode. The show notes will have all these references in them. But overall, people like Bob Edwards, Todd Conklin, who are in the HOP hub, the Human and Organizational Performance hub, and Stephen Shorrock, and many, many, many others have contributed to this concept. Overall, it is the following. Work as imagined is pretty much idealized work. And that comes to play in work descriptions that are written down. So that could be laws, regulations, procedures, job aids, anything where work is written down and as a consequence is invariant over time. So in this particular description, it is a horizontal black line across a page, which doesn't move. It is insensitive to the environment, to the conditions, to any contextual factors that might be coming to play with work because it is written down in this idealized context. The blue line, on the other hand, is work as done. And the blue line is sensitive to the environment, to any external factors, to the context. And as a result, it hovers around this black line. It may be coincident with the black line, but it often isn't. And it is constantly changing because... Context constantly changes, weather changes, various other factors change. So a lot of work as done needs to be adaptive and not just constrained to the work as described in this black line. Stephen Shorrock has a wonderful article that I will put into the show notes talking about these different varieties of work. Work as imagined, work as prescribed, work as disclosed, and work as done. It's an interesting read because they're not the same. It really gives flavor to how the workplace functions from very different perspectives. So this all comes from a safety background in this new view of safety. However, I've noticed a bit of this in some other worlds as well. There is a phenomenal episode of Cautionary Tales that I will put into the show notes where Tim Hartford says the following. A common sense model of discovery, invention, and innovation goes like this. We start at the bottom of a deep hole of ignorance. Then a brilliant man, like James Lind in this particular example, 
finds the rope of discovery, and humanity climbs out of the hole and stands on firm ground, able to scan the horizon of knowledge. And we like to think that that knowledge, once gained, is gained forever. But unless we know why something works, we risk confusing ourselves back into ignorance. So the idea here is that we might have a very idealistic view of how science works kind of like what uh, Tim Hartford had described here. This particular episode is talking about scurvy and how at a time when the British Royal Navy should have understood scurvy, they didn't because they lost a crew that was looking for Antarctica. And he even says that Scott's demise would have astonished the British Navy of 100 years before him. So when we believe that we understand science, we might actually have just this idealized picture and not on the ground understanding of things. For example, when you go on a trip. Now, a lot of people have probably reevaluated going on trips in this day and age, given the conditions that we're in. I'm recording this in summer of 2022. But nonetheless, when we want to go and visit a different place, we often depend on brochures and advertising materials. But to get the real understanding, you probably want to talk to some of the people who live there to get a feel for what things really are there, not just this idealized view. Agnes Collard is a philosophy professor who had done a talk at uh, a webinar I was at in 2020. And she was really analyzing how we cannot know that we are wrong. But in her answer, she talks about how Reality is different than our map of reality that we all have in our heads. This imperfect map of reality that we all use to see reality is not reality. We sometimes mistake it to be absolutely consistent with reality, but it's not. It is a map that we have to learn to mold and correct through experience. And each of our maps is unique to us. She really talks about these maps individuating us. None of our maps are identical. And our perceptive maps are not the way that reality is. But it is the way that we think reality is. The more that we can be aware of this, the more that we can question if we are as certain as we should be about almost anything that we see or think or experience. So Agnes calls this very, very fundamental to understanding how human beings in are and interact. Another way I think this has been labeled is through mental maps. 
And I learned about the concept of mental maps through a researcher who I think has retired by now, and her name is Rona Flynn. And I saw her at a fantastic conference that I went to many years ago to a healthcare audience. I was studying patient safety at that time. And I just remember the brilliance of this conference, meeting people like Rona Flynn and mental models. And I remember learning about health literacy. And oh, it was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. But the main goal of this episode is to get us to realize that our minds create a depiction of reality that we may then reify, we may then codify and believe is real, but it isn't necessarily. And the more that we can be aware of the difference between work as imagined and work as done, or a reality and our map of reality, the better we can perform in our jobs, in our workplaces, and in society overall. I thank you for listening. I don't know if this is your first episode or if you are a regular listener, having really appreciated some of this content. I just wanted to tell you that I really do appreciate you for listening. If you would like to express your gratitude for this podcast, I would encourage you to buy me a coffee. Head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash Tanya H. That's buy, B-U-Y, me, M-E-A, coffee, C-O-F-F-E-E, all one word, dot com slash T-A-N-Y-A-H, Tanya H. I will put this in the show notes. And I would really sincerely appreciate your support. In addition to that, you can rate and review this podcast. And I really, really appreciate that you are here listening to what I am sending out to you guys. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to Beyond the Minimum with Tanya Hewitt. We hope this episode aligned with you. Maybe it was diametrically opposed to you, but at any rate, we trust it made you think. The more we can think about our workplaces and start talking about them, the more we can collectively make a real difference. If you're living in Canada, please find out the Indigenous territory in which you reside and begin using it to introduce yourself. Please reach out to Tanya through her email, tanya at beyondsafetycompliance.ca. Connect and chat with her on LinkedIn Follow her company Beyond Safety Compliance and remember to ask yourself the question, how does your work look? Because we can always go beyond the minimum. <laughs>